This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John. I'm your host, Nick. And this week we have Steven with us who played Necrons at, uh, is it Warzone Atlanta? Is that what you call it? Yep. 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 Say, hi, yep. Say hi, Steven. Hey, guys. Cool. Well, we're super excited to have you because like having a Necron player doing well in this day and age, uh, I'm excited to unpack some of this because I think this is going to be a spicy meatball. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I really did not think we would have a Necron player on for quite some time. I mean, usually towards the end or, or in the middle of part two, we go through the different matchups and I don't even bother asking about Necrons half the time. So it's really awesome to see you actually doing well with them. Yeah, they're uh, they're a little underrepresented overall um, in uh, in pretty much all the tournaments across the country. Out of curiosity, do you think that your Necrons are like you're just making them work, and you know you're playing with a handicap, or do you actually feel like they are a top tier army, and people just haven't kind of figured out the secret sauce? So, um, I think the faction as a whole has some weaknesses that other stronger factions like. Uh, like Imperium and Marines and, and 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 other ones can mitigate for the most part. I but I don't think those fact those uh, weaknesses are much worse or or pretty much pretty much on par with those of Tau, and Tau does really well by itself. So yeah. I, I would say I wouldn't call them top tier, um, and, and they do they do they're not idiot proof. They do take some work, but they are not. They're not something that you're just. They're not a turd we're polishing. It's it's a pretty good list. All right, I'm really excited cool. to talk about that. Okay, I, I do. <laughs> I, I do have a I do have a question. It just sort of leads off that. Do you feel like with Marines coming so hard in the meta and the meta being so comprised of Marines that that's is that actually helping you or hurting you? Do you think? Uh, it's a hundred percent helping. Um, what do you think that? So the more uh, that the meta shifts towards one thing, the easier it is to plan for it. Uh, if we had a meta that was like 50 or well, like 30% Marines and 20% Eldar, and then you had a portion of uh, Orcs here and then Necrons showed up there, and it would be a little bit harder to uh, to, to plan the list and how to, how to uh, work around those things. Um, if you're trying to figure out how to kill 200 models, and kill a uh, Ironstone, you know, uh, uh, have damage Leviathan. Sometimes lists just can't do those things at the same time. So if you just if you expect to see fifty percent of the field being Marines, it's a little bit easier. For sure. So you think it's not so much that Necrons hard count or Marines or anything. It's just that because Marines are kind of cut from the same cloth, it's just uh, you have to deal with vehicle, power armor, and things like that. 
they do have some reasonable counters to a lot of the more popular marine lists. Um, the the executioner builds, the stuff that that involves uh, high armor elite models with no invulnerable saves. Uh, Necrons just have high AP, and they have high damage, so they can counter those builds pretty easily. Uh, I wouldn't say they hard counter Marines in general, though. That makes sense, yeah. So why don't we just uh, jump right into it, and you walk us through what your list is. So the list is um, a battalion and a uh, spearhead, um, all of it's Sawtech. It is, uh, the Warlord is Imotech, Stormlord. Um, I have uh, a Cryptech with a Chronometron and a Staff of Light. Um, then I have uh, two squads of 10 Immortals, one squad of nine for the inside the battalion. And I have a uh, Deceiver, uh, Shard of the Deceiver, a um, Triarch Stalker. And for the Spearhead, I have a, a Lord um, with a Staff of Light and two Tesseract Arcs and three Doomsday Arcs. And that should be everything. So a couple things kind of jump out at me as very abnormal for this Necron list. Um, for starters, uh, I don't think I've seen anyone really play around with 30 Immortals since the book first dropped. I mean, I know in the beginning people were talking about like 20-man warrior blobs and deceiver tricks and stuff. But since then, we've seen most Necron builds either go to minimum battalion or just no battalion. And you've obviously just gone for troops. What's your thought process behind that? So uh, the initial um, gameplay when I was just toying with the list a little bit was I always liked recursion and nobody really does recursion or not, no army really can do recursion very much in uh, in eighth edition except for Necrons. And you mean and like we'll even be back or whatever that rule is called in other days? Say again? You mean we'll be back or whatever that rule is called yeah, right nowadays? Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, and I mean, they can't really do it very well either, but they at least have a shot at it. So I, I initially messed with the max squads just to try to get their repair protocols to actually work. Um, and then I realized that the reasons why you take them are not, not necessarily for that, but just because you really need the anti-infantry and they can, they can really pump out the damage you need whenever the enemy does bring uh, a little bit larger force. And at, and at uh, strength five, it actually is not bad against uh, tanks either. If they're, uh, saves of three up or worse because you're wounding them on fives and re-rolling the ones and the wounds you actually put make a tank take five six seven eight nine ten saves with the squad yeah, sure and i guess more commonly i see people running tomb blades which pretty much serve the exact same role just here's a million tesla shots um but this way you actually get command points out of it but you're losing out on the fly keyword the natural minus one to hit the superior movement um, granted, you are infantry, and that's a big rule for Necrons. So, do you think it's worth the trade-off to go for more Immortals or the Tomb Blades? For the most part, um, adding a little bit to the CP as well is helpful um, with some of the stuff that you want to do. Necrons don't like burn through CP very quickly, but it's helpful to at least have ten hanging around. And if you're yeah. spending all the points, you There's were a lot of one them. CP strats you want to just kind of use, like Quantum Shielding. I know when we play to use them basically every turn, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, another strength on uh, on just having some squads of immortals hanging around is whenever you're running into an enemy army that's uh, worse than you in combat, which, I mean, there are armies that are worse than Necrons in combat, like Guard or Tau, that sort of thing. 
you can just have something that kind of gets in the way and gets into combat with things that that shouldn't be uh that that if they ignore them they'll they'll have to pay for it and i imagine you're using that not so much to to do damage because still like no, no, no but to wrap stuff up and then obsec objectives and things like that pretty much yeah it's not you know if you're winning combo with necrons it's the game has gone really weird <laughs> makes sense um I I do have a question. Um, you said that you uh, were using Sawtech for the the dynasty. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Can you just can you just walk me through why you chose that dynasty and like what the benefits are? Because I don't know anything about it. So the Sawtech dynasty allows you to move uh, heavy weapons without penalty, and if you advance with any weapon, it becomes an assault weapon. Um, the there's really two strengths uh, in this particular list for Sawtech. Uh, one is that Tesseract arcs are covered in heavy weapons. And they're one of the most mobile units in the army, so there's you really want them to have that threat, that uh, that uh, trait. And the other thing is that they they have a <clears throat> a very good stratagem that pings off of the Tesla very well. As soon as you damage a uh, a unit, um, you get for two CP it allows you to get a plus one to hit. Um, that's really helpful whenever you're dealing with like flyers or or anything that has negatives to hit at all. Um, or if you just want that Tesla to ping off of fours and and demolish a, a horde of plague bears or something. Yeah, I think one of the undervalued things with uh, Immortals versus Tomb Blades is that my will be done only affects infantry. So that's the plus one to hit kind of aura that the overlords give off. Uh, I believe Immotech can do it twice, if I recall. You can. Yeah. Uh, getting that plus one, so Tesla's procking on fives, or if you're shooting something that's minus one to hit, which isn't too uncommon. Uh, getting Tesla at all is still really strong, whereas Tomb Blades wouldn't get that benefit. Yeah, yeah, and then you get the Strat to get to four plus, right? Yeah, Which so is... you can just absolutely trash a Horde army like that. Yeah, that's helpful. Well, where um, you're dealing with it, I mean, it's it's getting less common as the Marines are taking their 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 rifle seat at the top. But when you had those ninety plague bearer lists, you you needed a way to get rid of a squad, and the Tesla can really take care of that yeah that makes sense um so the other thing i noticed about your list which is kind of offbeat um but i personally agree with your choice here is uh there's no doomsday sides doom sides whatever they're called um i know everyone is obsessed with their strat and how powerful they can be so what's your logic behind that um it i mean it's a I think they're 10 wounds right now, maybe 12, but I'm pretty sure they're 10 wounds. They're 10 wounds, they're tough six, they have no involve. The only defense they have is a minus one. And as soon as you kill one of them, the strat becomes useless. It, they're not worth the points. I don't like them very much. I mean, so I get what you're saying, but typically what I find is that the players who do run them uh, run them because they make your opponent deploy really weird in case you do end up going first. And obviously, if you do go first, you get the strat off turn one. And like, worst comes to worst, their shooting is still all right. I mean, like, it's two twin Tesla cannons, like eight Tesla shots, right. and D3 Doomsday cannon shots, basically. So that's not insignificant at all. So I found that if my opponent uh, understands my army, I can make them deploy kind of wonky already because I have uh, uh, splash effect damage. Uh, from the Deceiver as well as from the Lightning, uh, once per game Lightning from Immotech. And if they don't know my list and they don't understand what's going on, they're not going to de uh, deploy weird and I'm just going to take advantage of it. Oh, because everybody knows about the Crescents, right? They know about the Doomside strat, but 
nobody knows about this other saucy tech that you're talking about that now I want to hear about because I don't know what it does. I mean, they do. It's not the most uncommon thing in the world. If you know, if you know what Necrons do, you should know what that is. But a lot of people just. It's don't. also one of those things you'll just forget about. Like when we played our game uh, Thursday before Warzone. I it's nothing nothing you've run is stuff I haven't think, seen before read about or thought of it's just if you're not exposed to it frequently which most people are not um you're less likely to do something about it because you're not expecting it like it's not like you got me but it's like I forgot if that makes sense but yeah why don't you just go into what those uh uh rules you're talking about are like the deceiver tricks and whatnot so the uh the most the, the power the katan power I use probably the most often it's called a transdimensional thunderbolt, which uh, it's a range 24 ability, and you choose a unit that's not a character with less than 10 wounds, and you um, you roll a d6 and a four up that unit takes d3 mortal wounds, and then every other model, every other unit within uh, three inches of that unit will take one mortal wound uh, on a four up as well, um, and that 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 will just do that once a turn. Um, the other ability is Imotex lightning, which happens once in a game. Which you uh, choose a unit within 48 of him during the shooting phase, and then on a D6 uh, on a anything but a one, that unit takes that many mortal wounds, and then other units than six of that unit take uh, a D3 mortal wounds on sixes, um, which procs less often. But it's a consistent form of uh, mortal wound damage, uh, not the lightning, but the transmission thunderbolt that um, can can really splash onto msu armies um it hurts yeah. yeah for sure it's also it's just one of those things like it adds up over time like you do that for three four turns and that's now a lot of mortal wounds over the course of the thing it's almost like just casting a very significant smite yeah it, it's particularly effective into tau where they have like bunches of little two drone squads that are all hanging around a riptide you can Put it on a riptide, put a couple more wounds on them, maybe, but then you're going to roll five, six, seven different uh, four ups to catch those yeah. drones. And does one mortal each for those splash effects? Yeah, for the Thunderbolt, yeah. All right. So over a couple turns, you could end up killing entire two mans for free. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so what else does this Deceiver do for you? Like, he's got his, his Grand Illusion trick. Uh, how do you normally use that? And, like, I mean, he's an expensive dude, so what's the yeah. why include him at all? He is, uh, he is. I would call him maybe, even with all of his powers, I call him maybe a little bit overpriced. But Grand Illusion is, um, if your opponent is, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll uh, explain it. Uh, the Grand Illusion ability happens uh, at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of the first round, but before the uh, first player takes his turn. So after you know whether the seize is happening. Uh, the Deceiver and D3 Necron units get to redeploy anywhere on the table outside of 12 of other enemies. <clears throat> um, so offensively, if your opponent just kind of sets himself right up in the in the middle of the field, you know, puts his chin out there and says, what are you going to do about it? You can get those uh, Immortals up the table very quickly um, and have them unloading all of their shots, mo most of their shots, on top of one. Um, and so all the long-range weaponry can be firing at full capacity, and all the short-range weaponry or mid-range weaponry can also be firing. It makes Alpha incredibly strong. You could pretty so much. You're not doing it to do any like turn one charge shenanigans, which I've seen people do with like Zandrek and Oberon. You're just using it to kind of have a larger deployment zone. 
Yeah, you have a large deployment zone. You can get on the objectives more, more quickly. The, the rule itself actually stops charges. You can't charge on the first turn. So there's no nothing ridiculous like that happening. Um, it uh, It's very useful in the alpha. I would say, though, the most useful is in the uh, if you're going second. If you put a couple of squads out in the open and or just in the middle of the field to take advantage of going first and your opponent does get to go first, you can redeploy into a much more conservative uh, uh, deployment and not lose nearly as much on the alpha. Yeah, I think that's super good. Just redeploy in general is really nice for that. And it's it's D3 units though, right? So like what if you flub that roll, get one unit, and then another unit's hung out to dry? Do you ever... I mean, ideally... You just, like if you're really concerned about it, like in Warzone, I played a, a list with a bunch of Shining Spears. I, I just put one unit in front. One unit stays in front, and then worst case scenario, I can't screw that up. Yeah, so um, like you'll, you'll build that insurance in your deployment, basically. So yeah. Like, yeah, and like I mean, worst case scenario, where you go first and you roll a one, and only one of your three, two of your three units get up there because the one you deployed forward plus one more. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's not the end of the world at all. The list still can can function pretty effectively uh, with just one immortal unit coming up. And then once the the game begins for the deceiver, he is a consistent form of mortal wounds throughout the game, which uh, while not nearly as devastating as like Thousand Suns, is is something that is going to continue being a problem. And he's yeah. also something that, that if your army wants to try to assault the Necrons, that he can actually, you know, be a decent goalie. He's basically a, a Necron Demon Prince. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And uh, how much does he cost, out of curiosity? Oh, yeah, he's, he's pretty pricey. He's 225 Oof. Yeah, I think if he was like 180 he'd be super valued. But he would, uh, I would, I, I'm hoping whenever uh, Chapter Proof comes out, he goes down to at least 200 but yeah. Quickly. So a new unit, um, I don't know if it's actually new, but a unit less commonly seen because Forge World uh, are your Tesseract arcs. Uh, I know when we played, that was the first time I personally played against them. I was pretty impressed. How have you been liking them and how do you use them? Um, they're, they're pretty fantastic. Uh, they're one of the, the more resilient tanks in uh, Necrons because they have a 3 up bar armor save like most, uh, most vehicles should have, but Necrons don't. They have a 5 up bimble and they still have the quantum shielding that all Necrons have. They also have a um, a uh, pretty substantial uh, debuff to charges against them. You take 3d6 and take the lowest uh, two dice to charge them, and that could be pretty useful if uh, you have something like Genius Third Cult jumping on your corners. Um, and they have a pretty pr pretty big uh, uh, payload for as far as their firepower goes. They're basically two destroyers, and then they have a large d6 damage gun. Um, I, I, I like them for pretty much everything. They can they can charge into enemies and, and stop people from shooting at you. They can uh, block deep strikers. And then at the worst case scenario, they just sit in midfield and shoot guns. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they're just good value tanks. They're a bit pricey too, at 200, but I guess that's the story of Necrons these days. Yeah. Well, once you, if you put the, the quantum shielding stratagem, though, it takes a, a significant portion of an army, especially if it's like a marine army that, that fills last cannons and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, like if they have auto cannons and stuff, I guess that's pretty brutal. But if it's just right. like las cannons, like good luck. Exactly. So, what uh, does quantum, I'm sorry? What does quantum shielding do? I'm I don't know anything about Necrons. I'm learning all kinds of stuff here. So, uh, quantum shielding is a rule that most of their vehicles have. Um, after they failed the save, um, the amount of damage goes through the the shields. Let's let's say, for instance, the last cannon it rolls a four. 
if you roll under the number of damage that the uh, the damage of the weapon, it, it it nullifies the damage. So if I roll a three or less, the four damage just dis- disappear. And uh, there's a strat for one CP used on one of your tanks, and then that basically gives you a minus one to that roll. So in that example, if you roll a four, you would normally fail because you have to roll under. If you roll a four in that case with the strat up, you would pass. So against like a damage three weapon, like a smash captain, it works in combat as well, or anything like that. With the strat up, you basically have a four up invulnerable save on top of your normal save is how you could think about it. For one through three passes, but it'd be 50-50, so hence the four up. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's slick. It's a, it's very strange because the generally good anti-tank weapons that do tons of damage uh, suck versus the Necrons, and things of uh, lower damage become better. But Necron vehicles across the board have not super high toughness, not super great armor. Like, this is a tough Necron vehicle, and it's toughness 7-3 up armor. Um, Go Doomsdarks, for example, are toughness 6-4 up armor. So... Weapons like autocannons become gold, and weapons like lascans become trash. It's a very backwards way of doing it. Yeah. I, um, I imagine tile-heavy burst cannons are probably a disaster for those, right? Uh, you'd think that. I actually haven't lost a game in Natal yet, um, but it, it's mainly because they have to focus so heavily with like marker lights to really get an effective kill on a tank. It has a lot of wounds. If you do two damage you, and you pop the quantum shielding strap, like they telegraph their shots if they're putting down marker lights, so you know where you're going to put the quantum shielding strap. It, it yeah. takes them a while to get rid of stuff, and also the, Just, the immortals. Also, tile in general want to kill like one big thing every turn, or even two big things every turn, and then Steven's lust is like, here's five tanks, here's thirty immortals. Um, pick two and they'll kill two probably the ultimately from what i've what i've seen when i played tau the smart play is actually to drop the immortals because of just how many uh how many uh shield drones they kill each turn yeah that makes sense and but those are not easy to drop either i mean three up armor save inventory isn't super tough but it's not pushovers but they also have the five up involora right off the cryptic yeah they get a five up involved they'll tend to hug cover so you have to get the Mark lights on them to to really be effective. Um, right, and you're not going to be able to mark a light all three units up to like four and five. Not with most lists, no. It's it's pretty difficult for most lists. So you typically kill a tank in an immortal squad at best, and that just that just takes too much time. And if you're jumping with Grand Illusion up on first turn, it's gonna it won't take you very long for them to start like wrapping characters and stuff. All right, so you're actually going to just charge a tower army because I know a lot of people think of Necrons as like a pure shooting force, but you're not afraid to charge with them. Absolutely not. If you can get into combat, well, for, I mean, if they don't have target locks on the Riptides and they've already done Monka, just making, uh, uh, just charging a drone squad and then just like piling across the field into fire, uh, 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 fire marksmen and stuff and, and uh, fire blades, and then uh, and then making a Riptide move if you can. It's not that bad. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people are opting for Velocity Tracker and ATS these days because Flyer Spam is so, so prominent. Exactly. So that's, not a, that's not a bad, again, I guess, uh, opportunistic usage of the meta from your end. Well, and I mean, we can get into the matchup specifically in episode two. I was just thinking, 
the weapon profile, like two damage weapons seem really good against quantum shielding in my mind. But, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. So what is your overall strategy with this list? I mean, on the on the surface, it looks like just like a, a Necron version of a gun line where you have your big tank shooting stuff and now you have your 30 guys shooting stuff. What are the nuances to it? How do you use it? Um, I would say the the biggest uh, nuances to it is that it is actually pretty mobile compared to what you'd think it is. I mean, most of the army is, you know, speed five. The the doomsdays don't want to move, that sort of thing. Um, it, it will get across the field very quickly. Um, it will take up the uh, the real estate very, very quickly. Um, and it can readjust uh, if you if you try to outmaneuver it yourself later on. So, um, I mean, how, how does it do that? So I get the deceiver and stuff, uh, Grand Illusioning into the middle. But if you're going second, you're going to be Grand Illusioning backwards to avoid the Alpha Strike they've been covered. And then as far as elements of your army that don't that move and want to move it's pretty much just the tesseract arcs so how do you how do you do that so i typically take a veil for sure and if you absolutely have to use it early as an offensive uh, tactic you can jump up into people's faces with the squad of immortals when you need to um if if the if this requires the opponent to make a mistake but if the opponent makes a mistake you can jump them behind the enemy and that becomes just a nightmare but uh uh, if they're if they are also a gun line, um, if the enemy is uh, a more melee focused army, it takes a lot of work to clear out the um, the doomsday arcs, and so it's it it's pretty difficult to eat through any screens um, for something like uh, <laughs> demons or uh, or chaos in general. Like the discordants, the discordants don't want to be. Uh, to be done with minus five. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's kind of just like an, uh, a wall that pushes forward as it sees fit and doesn't really care what your opponent's doing. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, and, and with the enemy, just try to like get into combat with it. If it's it, unless you're like a dedicated force, unless you are running, you know, the the, the more elite melee infantry, if you feel like you're going to take a squad of intercessors in because they have three attacks piece and the Necron Immortals only have one, and they're going to win that, it, it, that doesn't happen. Um, if you if you take that unit in to try to, to tie up Immortals, what ends up happening is Immortals tend up, tend up uh, tying up you. Eventually, one way or another, that squad is going to come out the other side. Whether the deceiver has to come in and get them or whatnot, the repair protocol is going to make them much more survivable than a basic unit. All right. Explain to me how the repair protocols work. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, at the start of the turn, if you have an, a Necron infantry unit uh, that has any models lost uh, in it to, to attacks or anything like that, um, you roll a die for each model on a five up. That uh, that unit brings back a model from that uh, from the deck. That's, that's been destroyed um, and the cryptech has an ability that allows you to get a plus one to that so it'll be four ups to bring back dudes that have died is that only dudes that have died in the previous turn or is it throughout the whole game throughout the whole game the only way to actually have a model not come back is to kill the entire unit or to have units die to morale okay and that brings back one model a turn or you roll a dice for every model that's missing 
you roll dice for every model that's missing. So theoretically, okay, well if you rolled really well, you could bring the entire unit back. Okay, yeah, and then they've got a three-up save, so those incursors really aren't going to kill that many, and you're going to get some back every turn. Yeah. It's going to be just kind of gross. Okay, I get it. That's another positive to the list is um, there's a strat in, in the Necron Codex that allows you to um, to make a tank fully functional. Uh, it doesn't get bracketed at all. And every tank inherently heals a, a wound a turn. Uh, so if you're on the cusp of, of being bracketed, especially at the very bottom where you have like two or three wounds, it's very it's not unlikely that you'll heal yourself back up into full, uh, or not full, but in, into the next bracket up if uh, you survive a round. Um, so the army doesn't, uh, if you're not outright killing full things, which are all right, relatively hard to kill for the most part, whether by distance or just because they're a little bit more elite, um, you're not stopping the firepower of the army. It is a little bit more resilient than it looks. Right. So, um, how do you deal with someone who I guess is just as resilient back at you i mean like tough armies like plague bear spam with with smite spam standing behind it or um armies with really good invuls and high toughness to kind of shirk off the the doomsday arcs and stuff what do you i mean you're kind of just hitting your hammer and hoping the other guy breaks is there a way to circumnavigate that um so if you're looking i guess for each of the examples if you're looking at the plague bears i think the plague bear is actually one of the, the tougher matchups um, you're going to kind of want to need to put the, uh, the doomsday arcs up closer. Um, having strength 10 minus five D six damage is not really relevant whenever all you're fighting is toughness four dudes with field of pain. Um, so they, they would be closer to kind of soak up the smite a little bit. I, I know that a, a, a smite memory can put out 14 mortal wounds, but it doesn't, it doesn't always. Um, right. So and they also come from different directions. So if you can modify where the the tanks are, they might not be smiting the same tanks as often. Um, and at that point, you just add all of your buffs up as quickly or as, as much as you can, in hope that you roll well enough to kill squads of uh, play bears off the table. Um, if uh, it's a it's a it's a grind. That game is a grind. Um, yeah, I mean, it always is against them. <laughs> it, yeah, um, I I don't want the match but I, I have a plan and it can work um uh your other example was uh was high impulse um the army has access to an okay amount of mortal wounds um and if the per i mean the person most lists don't typically have an army that's just filled with nothing but three up impulse usually right. there's just one thing with a decent impulse or maybe two things um you can typically uh punch out enough mortal wounds in one turn to either cripple or kill a thing. Um, if it's multiple things, well, you just got to pump Tesla and hope they fail two ups, three up saves. Um, and then just avoid them as long as you can. Uh, I, I certainly worked around how to deal with Leviathans for a while and they are, um, not as hard as it gets, I suppose. They're about, yeah, they're they're really hard to get through. If your opponent uh, makes mistakes, you can get in combat with them and then just ignore them for the rest of the game. But uh, you know, usually they don't always do that. So, I mean, all right. Well, let's let's shift the discussion a little bit to talk about sort of your strategy in ITC missions, or in we can talk about Warzone Atlanta missions too. But I feel like ITC is a little more relevant, just in that 
gets played sure. more often. Um, so, like, what kind of secondaries are you looking to accomplish? Uh, what kind of secondaries do people take against you? And do you ever see, like, some of them being sort of a trap? Like, maybe they think they're going to get uh, a big game hunter, but they almost never do, or just stuff like that? Um, big game hunter is, is definitely a reasonable choice. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a trap. Uh, unfortunately, that you, you do have to kill off the majority of my arm. I mean, the, the doomsdays don't have to be very close. They they could be at the very edge of the table. If we're playing a game like uh, Hammer and Anvil, um, it's going to take you a while to get all the way to the other end of the table, or at least close enough to fire if you're range 36. Um, that can be a little bit of a trap. I, I would still recommend, if I was playing against my own army, I would still probably take uh, Big Game Hunter. Uh, the list does have four characters. It would be a huge mistake to do that. To take yeah, that, I'm literally saying I'm going to table you to get that secondary. Yeah, I, they have access to a, a stand back up for each character aside from the katan. Each one is actually a character. All of them have imbols. They all regain wounds except for the katan. Uh, it's it's a it's not a good idea um, unless you're just built for it. I, I can't imagine it'd be the right idea. Um. I think that the list is actually pretty good at uh, maintaining a, a kill more when it comes to ITC. It takes a lot of work and effort to get rid of each squad for the most part. Um, and you're typically only killing a few of them. I mean, unless you're just wiping the army off the table. Uh, you can typically get a kill more with that army pretty easily. And if the yeah. opponent has a... Uh, I think the army there, functions a lot better in like the denial uh style of list in itc where it's like you don't have to table the other guy you can sit there kill more hold more by just existing and being tough yeah and if the opponent castles you can also uh get pretty reasonable board control but you know, that, that's only a few lists i guess so what do you do um if someone it doesn't have to be any specific army but like an assault based army wraps you up your like your immortals i know you have the veil to get out of combat the one time once per game that's a really good trick but if i'm just wrapping immortals up over and over and over again say tyranids or orcs something fast doesn't have to be anything specific um how do you cope with that because your punching is more or less just a deceiver right for the most part yeah um i mean it, it, to be fair if the opponent is wrapping me up multiple times he's probably won the game but uh <laughs> how do you not get wrapped multiple times then <laughs> So again, you probably put a wall of the uh, of the if it is like Tyranids or uh, or Gene Stiller cult, you just take your flying tanks and get them in the way. Um, they they can kill the tanks if they want to. Gene Stiller cult died in mortals; they don't die to tanks. Um, or they I mean they do die to tanks, but they don't. Eh, that's good. Uh, you can make a wall. The Tesseract arcs do have the the negatives to the to the charging. You can veil a squad that does get wrapped. And also, if you do manage to get a squad in there and they just limp their way into combat with some mortals, you do have access to multiple mortal wounds. You might be able to kill them through mortal wounds um, without actually fleeing combat. Oh, wow, that's because uh... the, the the lightning strike is gonna is ha is not actually a shooting attack. You can just choose squads in combat, and the katan power is also not a shooting attack. Yeah, so you can kind of just mortal your wound your way through it a little bit. That's nice. Yeah, but once, yeah. If if the opponent just barely gets in there and you have a few few men that made it through all the Overwatch, which Tesla Overwatch is actually pretty pretty good. Yeah. When you're playing with Emotex Lightning, uh, 
how do, what do you look for when you're using it? Like, do you just toss it off turn one just to get early value out of it? Do you wait until there's an opportune moment in the middle of the game? Or what's your thought process behind it? Um, if I get the very first turn and my opponent has set his army where it's, you know, a lot of stuff is available for me to take a choice on attacking, I will put it out first turn just to really clear out what their big bad guy is if I can help it. But most of the time it comes in later. Um, like you said, if if the opponent is actually in a place where he might be able to get in combat with me and, and plans to, I'll save it. Gotcha. So you'll literally save it for when you think you'll inevitably get wrapped a couple turns later on. Possibly, yeah. Or if uh, if I my opponent's, you know, got if he's taken the first turn and he put up a bunch of shields, you know, a bunch of spells and powers, I mean a few mortal wounds isn't gonna do a tremendous amount. I want to wait until I've cleared, I've killed off the thing that you know gives you feeling pain or whatever it is you've done that that makes it where it's, it's going to blunt my my damage. Nice. So, um, were there other units that you had considered to solve those problems? Like maybe wraiths. I've seen people take before scarabs, uh, even praetorians or witch guard, anything like that to try to help. I, I mean, there's. I have a list that's that's pretty cool that that will do well if it you know goes first. But I don't really want to play it very much like that. You know, that's that's not a great tournament list. I have messed around with the idea of um, of Nihilic Lich Guard. Um, if you you spin the CP for them, you can give them a two up invul and shooting. Yeah. Um, so that's they have a. Could you just explain how they get to that? They would need to uh, get within range of an objective within three inches of it. At the end of their turn, they would spend for this Nihilic Stratagem, which would allow them to get a plus one into their save and plus one attack. Uh, that that also converts their Imbol. So that's going to take their four up Imbol into a, a three up and their armor save to two up. And they can also, <clears throat> if they're being shot at in the shooting phase, uh, uh, buff their uh, invulnerable shield, save shields uh for two CP to increase it to another uh, by another amount, giving him a two up invul, um, and it also bounce backs mortal wounds in the shooting phase. That's a pretty good uh, uh, buffer. It's just expensive CP wise. I, I I like the idea of it. I've messed around with it some. Um, would it go in the list that I'm playing with right now? Probably not. But if I was trying to maybe, if Catan went down a few points and I wanted to like try to play a a, a list of a, a, a version of the plague bear <laughs> spam list in necrons i'd probably play something like that interesting um have you ever considered something like the tomb blades that we brought up earlier because they have the fly keyword so they they don't have the weakness of getting wrapped like your immortals could i don't mind the tomb blades um i i have thought about them a little bit at this point in time literally the only reason i haven't really pushed for them is i don't want to paint nine tomb blades <laughs> um but they're not bad i'm not i don't i don't take them because i think they're bad i just i they don't work in the list i have currently and but i can certainly see them working out another list i see a lot of people playing them right that's really why i'm bringing them up is because i see i see their direct value in what they offer you as an alternative to immortals and then other people do run them <laughs> yeah what about uh, Destroyers? I think that's the last popular Necron unit that you're kind of foregoing. I think Destroyers with the Destroyer Protocols and Veil is just, you know, it hits super hard and people seem to like it. What are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, the Destroyers, um, 
the way that I've seen I played against them whenever I back when I was playing or when I played against Necrons is they would kind of sit on the they would start on the table and you might be able one squad forward, but typically they'd sit there so it, it, you know on their lines waiting to shoot at you. Yeah. I don't really like that at all. I mean, they're speed ten, they're range twenty four. Um, you can very reasonably just stay out of their threat range. Um, there are ways to get around that. You can grand illusion them forward if you take a deceiver, um, which is it's a, that's an expensive, that's expensive upgrade for that. Um, or you can um, take them as nephric and just deep strike them once a turn, and just pop them as a bomb over and over again to get bored. Um, or they just die, which they probably will. Um, that's not bad. My issue is that the the world is filled with iron hands. And D3 weapons don't do anything to them. That's fair. You're trying to kill half damage, minus one damage, with yeah. D3 going to one over and over again. Right. But honestly, um, that's not a bad way of getting it done, because if you think about value lost, the D3 going from two to one, you're losing a wound. True. You know, it's not that bad. It sucks, don't get me wrong. But like your D6 Doomsday Cannon... Rolls a four for damage, gets halved to a two, and then ironstone on top of that to a one. It's the same thing, unless you roll a five or a six. For sure, for sure. It's just a, a big investment into the army. You could, I mean, one squad is not it's not terrible. I mean, it's three hundred points, but it, it's just a lot, especially if you start spamming them. I mean, you're talking about half the army when you start spamming that unit. It becomes yeah, yeah. what the army is about at that point. Right. I think I think generally I only see people run one unit and then just use it as utility. I don't really know. I do think I do think what's there's a certain number of units in the game that just draw the aggro, no matter what. Um, yeah. I think like, uh, like there's mean target number one. Kind yeah. Of thing. Uh, in chaos, berserkers is what that is. If you put a squad of berserkers in your army, it doesn't matter what you put on the table. Your opponent is going to kill that squad. Um, if you put like a Primarch or something like that, the opponent's going to try to kill Mortarian. Um, the destroyers are definitely a part of that. So you can use that to your advantage a little bit. Keep them a little bit further back maybe for a moment, and then you can bail them up like that. That wouldn't be terrible. But again, you are losing a lot. I mean, one one uh, squad of destroyers is, is almost two doomsdays. Yeah. Um, I had another question from when we were going over your list. You had two Tesseract arcs and three Doomsday arcs, but I think after watching you play and after hearing you talk about the list, I think the, the Tesseract arcs fit your style more since they're so much more mobile and, to be honest, more durable, I would say. For um, sure. Why, why do you have three and two the other way with three Doomsdays and two Tesseracts? Uh, Doomsdays are just kind of undercosted. They're just cheaper. Okay. I can yeah. afford to, to take them all. Um, in order to... In order to take uh, to upgrade that, it would cost me forty points. Um, that takes a few more immortals like than I want. Two immortals or something like that, or, or three. You take three immortals. Yeah. Um, making the squad pretty, pretty making one squad pretty easily to kill or easy to kill rather. Um, yeah. Or easier. I mean, I, I understand they're not that hard to kill, but. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It takes the incremental cost is just not worth the upgrade, basically. For the most part. Also, again, the minus five, it's hard to downplay when a person calls for cover and has three up and you just ignore it. Oh, no. Believe me, I have minus four weapons everywhere in my Iron Hands army, and I absolutely hate when I see the opponent roll sixes against them. Yeah. It feels so bad. 
it's 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 a nice whenever they like begin to take their dice up and be like, no, 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 no you, there's no save. Yeah, that actually happened in our game like three or four times. And I've never not had a save with like a two armor save stealthy guy, and you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> so that makes sense. Um, do you think that your list is kind of meta dependent in that? Right now, you're seeing a lot of vehicles with no invul saves because Marines. Uh, in like different periods in the game's competitive history, would your list have worked as well? Would you have changed stuff? Like, what what meta factors factor into this? Um, I would say, yeah, there, there are certainly times where it could have been a little bit of an issue. Like I said, the the plague bear spam, which was everywhere. I have a game, but I really can't play that three times in a tournament and win it three times. Um, so when it was more popular, uh, it it was like uh, the list of the you know the, the Doritos in the back and the and then the sixty to ninety play bears plus some spam or some spice spam. That that's not something I can continuously beat over and over and over again. Right. So you kind of just. Uh... You could have made adjustments for it at the time, but now it's not so popular, so you're not even bothering. Is that fair? I mean, this is this is the best I can probably come up with for the most part inside Necrons for that. Necrons just don't have as many tools to deal with. Like we don't we don't have a, a proper screen units to to stop smite from being an issue. Well, I figured scarabs could be a good. They are, but they're 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 twelve points a model. Um, they they run out pretty quickly and they don't do anything for the army for the most part and they aren't right. troops to uh like at least you could take the troops yeah, they, they don't do anything like you're using your ghost arc to do so your gyms they are to do something in a game where it probably wouldn't do something but you want to take it anyway because there's other games where it would there's no games where a scare really does anything i mean they it's take great. objectives really well they're very low to the ground yeah. they're hard to see but they're not out, out fighting anything um they can tie stuff up but i don't really have an issue with that so I, I did just think of a question in thinking about like <clears throat> your deceiver play where you can redeploy and stuff. Do you prefer to go first or second with your list? You have a lot of firepower, but um, you also have like a lot of options, I guess. Uh, it really depends on the matchup. Um, if it, or more important than that, the terrain, uh, if I can hide the whole army, the army can move pretty mobily uh, or, or can outrange people. I'm perfectly fine going second. But if I if I look at the bonus list and I, I realize this is like a like a towel list, this is going to like crush them if I can go first. I absolutely prefer to go first into some factions. Would you say your list is like uh to that end an early game army, an end game army? Like do you do you play all six turns of 40k or do you try to end it early with this type of list? I would say um I'd say probably six turns. Yeah, I don't. I don't have an issue with the game going uh, longer most of the time. Yeah, um, it's not like your damage is all front loaded. You're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. Uh, if the opponent somehow has a, a melee army that can consistently play through the game for for six turns, then yeah, I'd prefer it if we finish the game quickly. But those that that's I can't even think of a list that really does that. So. Yeah, it, it would be play bear or something. Like Pretty that. much, yeah. That's that's about it. Um, orcs, maybe if you just have, don't have the if you just have the bodies to really get in the way. Maybe just run boys or something, and not all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, currently, the way a lot of orcs are built, they aren't a huge issue because what's really devastating is that D six weapon, the zap gun. That's not right. a, it's not a huge deal. 
Um, I could see their Ludas being an issue if they really played it properly. But if you got the first turn and you and you uh, you put the Tesla into Ludas, what effectively makes the Ludas is just two up saves. And if they fail the two up saves, they start dying. Yeah. And we'll get into matchups a lot more specifically in the next part. But I guess my last question for this episode is mostly, uh, would you change your list for other formats? Like, I know you designed it for Wars in Atlanta, but it's a pretty good all-comers in general. Uh, but is there anything you would do specifically for, like, Nova or ITC or anything like that? For formats, no. No. I, if I felt like the meta started changing, I would. But, no, I think that it's fine into ITC format uh, gotcha. or Nova. Yeah. So there's no... Like you're not concerned with giving up any secondaries that you may, might make small adjustments for, or you're not concerned with like you don't have a great engineer type of unit, so maybe you'll put one in in the form of scarabs or something like that. Um, not particularly. The the points are fairly tight throughout the list. It's hard to just pull away stuff to really tweak it. That's that's kind of a I, I was able to do that in chaos a little bit more effectively, but it's it's not very easy in this army. Right, that makes sense. All the points are you're not paying for upgrades, which you can just add and subtract. You're paying for models. Yeah, there's very few things like there is a ten or fifteen point upgrade. I guess I think Carl Metro is fifteen points, and then that's the only upgrade that costs points. Everything else is just models. Yeah. So in a way, you actually are kind of playing with more stuff than your opponent. If you think about it like that, do you ever feel like that? Uh, in an elite, less, less flashy stuff, but more. I guess dudes, not not like a horde army, but I mean like you. Instead of paying for like upgrades that may not matter, like buying Laskin on your tactical squad, you just have guys. You ever feel like that? Mm-hmm. I, be here. I mean, yeah, yeah. I keep a mental track in my head if my opponent allows me to repair protocol of how many points I'm playing up on them. Um, yeah. What's uh? Do you often get good value out of that? Um. I would say probably once a tournament, you will run into a scenario where one Necron Immortal survives. Um, and it, it's it's terrible. You basically, you know, you get five or six dudes back. and Do you have any bonuses to it, or are you just rolling fives? Uh, I have a I have a, the Cryptek, so most of them are on fours. Oh, okay, okay. And you, do you ever bother for the Resorb to do rerolls and stuff? Uh, no. I mean, I, I would probably do that if I had maybe Lich Garden. Or um, if I was running uh, uh, Wraiths, where I bring strat to make them stand back up. But no, yeah. 15 point Immortals, it's fine. They just do what they need to do. All right. Well, that seems like a, a pretty good episode. Before we move on to episode two, Stephen, is there any place where people can find you if they want to? I mean, do you produce any content? Or you know, where do you talk to people? Where do you hang out? That kind of stuff. Um, not really. Uh, I'm not super... Uh, gung-ho on social media i don't really have any i don't have any content being produced so uh catch me at a tournament uh play me at gigabytes at our local uh game store it's fantastic down here oh yeah so, gigabytes is a high quality store for sure it is yeah. uh it is probably the best store i've been to i would say uh, at all it's it's a fantastic store very cool awesome well so yeah, I think that's just about it for part one of our Necron episode with Stephen Mitchell. Uh, if you want to check out part two, you can check out our Patreon, Art of War 40K, AOW 40K. I forget what it is. Um, it's AOW 40K, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, John. <laughs> what's that? 
I said, that's why we have you. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just want to take a moment to thank Frontline Gaming for hosting us. We love being up as a part of the network. Make sure you guys go check out, you know, Chapter Tactics, uh, Signals from the Frontline, and 40K Stat Center. There's a particularly good episode of Stat Center that's going to be two weeks old, so ignore this <laughs> by the time this <laughs> comes out. Um, and uh, I just want to take a, another moment to thank especially our patrons for supporting us. Um, it's allowing us to make investments to really bring some new stuff to you guys. So I can't wait to announce some of the new changes coming with the new year. So thank you, patrons. We appreciate you very, very much. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com. Where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.